Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, you know who I am. I'm James. This is the Finch Show. Um, my guest on this particular episode is Carla Guffrey. She has a master's degree in biology, and she teaches biology at Highland Community College here in Freeport, Illinois, where I'm from. And uh, yeah, it took us a while to get around for this one, only because I had actually originally first messaged her prior to the pandemic. Um, and at that point in time, we had, a, I think, a brief conversation about it, and then COVID happened and kind of shut everything down. Now that things are kind of starting to hopefully get back to normal and to normal for good, provided you people actually get vaccinated like you should, um, we finally got together and we finally got this podcast in. So we just finished it. Um, We had a really great conversation. Talked about a lot of different stuff, not just biology, but just all kinds of fun stuff. We had a blast and she was an excellent guest and an even better person. But I'm going to stop talking. Without further ado, here is Carla. So we originally, I should say, I originally looked you up mainly because I was looking at people on the podcast and literally all I did was I just went to Highlands <laughs> right. Community Directory and um, yeah. biology was a subject I always loved. Okay. So That's I just li- literally just picked a name off the roster and emailed you and said, yeah. hey, we've never met, but... Well, you know. it's funny because we didn't really talk about what we were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And like, as I was thinking this podcast was last week, I just, I'm not keeping track of dates, so I was just like... <laughs> It's on a Saturday, and then I was like, today's Saturday, so you know it must be today. And I just had it set in my head until finally I was like, I better go back and check. And as of last week, I was going to say it would have been like a show about nothing, you know, like, right. which is kind of, I feel like it's sort of the story of my life sometimes, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, but now I've got some better ideas too. So, so it's like it's like Seinfeld. It's just yes, it's exactly. about nothing. Yep. Um, Microbiology? Did I understand that right? I kind of teach all biology. Mm -hmm. So basically, I have a master's in the teaching of biology. I never had a specific study or thesis or anything like that. Oh, okay. I went back. I had a biology degree. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. My dad was a doctor. My sister's a doctor. Like, oh, you're going to go to med school. And then I was like, ah, wait, I don't want to go to med school. (laughs) And so it was kind of at the time, it was like, well, what do you do with your biology degree? Well, you sell pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed for some of those jobs, and I was like, I don't want to do that. And then four, kind of go back to school. So mm-hmm. Going back to school for a master's of teaching. A friend of mine encouraged me to do that because he was in the program. So I just kind of rolled right into it. And so you had your master's classes in biology, education, and did all your student teaching. How do you, how do you like it? I like it a lot. Yeah? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, you kind of have to say that, right? Like when it's public, you can't be like, oh well, my God, it so, just sucks my soul Yeah, out. at the time, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but in retrospect, um, so I got my degree, and then I got a teaching job in Neoga, Illinois, Where's which that? is a very small town in between Charleston and Effingham. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a very small school. I was there for one year. I was engaged to my current husband, and um, so I was just there for a year, and then I thankfully got a job in Freeport teaching seventh grade mm-hmm. um, for three years. And then I, I'd had one daughter and then I had twins. So I took off for about 10 years. Yeah. And then that's when I ended up at Highland. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a uh, sort of, just sort of fell into that situation. They needed someone for a one year sabbatical. And somebody asked me, would you want to, would you be interested in this? And I was like, 
I don't know, maybe. And so I was like, how do you say no? It's just, you know, it's supposed to be one year. Right. I had the qualifications, which, you know, is not easy to find someone who's not working. Mm-hmm. And so I taught for a year and then um, someone else didn't get tenure. And so I taught for another year, kind of on a temporary basis. And then I interviewed for the position. And then I just had my full status. Wow. So, yeah. And all that kind of counted for tenure and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I got very lucky. <laughs> the um, what, got, what got you into biology to begin with? Was it a family just sort of interest or? Probably, like I said, my dad was a doctor. And then my sister went to the University of Illinois. And then I looked, you know, at a few places, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do something different. But then I ended up going to Illinois anyway, and she was a chemistry major. So I was like, well, I'll be biology, right? <laughs> and she ended up actually becoming a biology major. So anyway, well, but yeah, so I don't know. I wasn't super interested at the time necessarily. I mean, I always liked science and math, and I was good at it. I just, once I got to Illinois, I was kind of lost my confidence because it was just, I realized I didn't really know how to study. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, oh my gosh, you know, some of the classes were great, like genetics I loved, and but these massive monstrous biology classes like the regular just bio one and two had 1300 people in the lecture hall oh my gosh yeah and they followed the bell curve like this many people will get a's b's c's was you know so you could get on an exam so you got an 89 on an exam that might be an a that might be a c it depended Mm -hmm. on everybody else what's kind of frustrating yeah what's the reasoning behind grading like that I don't, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would argue it's a good system. I would not, but I don't really have any Well, I sort of feel like if you have an 18, details. 19, 20-year-old kid who's busting his rear end and is trying to work to put himself through school and he gets an 89 on a test, yeah. he should probably get I mean, the B I out of that, right? I could be exaggerating a little bit, but I don't think so. It really was like, this is we're going to fit this into the bell curve wow. no matter what. That's so, insane. And I just didn't have the skills to really... I just never had to study before. Mm. And so I would sit there and, you know, I would thought I was studying and I thought I was listening. And, and granted, you're listening to a man on a stage with no props, no right. screens, <laughs> no, you know, anything. And then you have TAs for everything else. And I remember, you know, I'd sit on my bed and I'm reading my book. Okay, chapter two, I need to read chapter two. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, chapter two is over, but I don't know what I just read. Right. So that's what I, so I've kind of taken that knowledge and, Sort of applied that to teaching my students mm. and you know everybody obviously isn't the same as me but i think a lot of people don't realize For that they're sure. just kind of sometimes wasting their time and not really yeah. trying to learn so that's kind of my big teaching approach so well i feel yeah i was the same like i felt like i had to learn how to study in college because yeah. high school just kind of breezed through and right and you know for anyway for me personally i didn't really care how I did in high school, except for the fact that I didn't want my parents mad at me. <laughs> but then when you get to college, you're working towards something, right. you know, and it costs a lot of money to go there, yeah. and you yeah. have a lot of time and effort invested in it. And I was the same way. It was the worst when you'd have some kind of test the next day, and you would feel like you'd read the chapter three times, and you and then you still don't know what's going on, right. you know. And I have a lot of students who will say, well, I studied for 20 hours, and I thought, mm, well, that's kind of a red flag right Yeah. There. So it's really about kind of figuring out what do you know, what do you not know, not being scared to say, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Like the more you don't understand something and then you go to understand it, the longer you're going to remember it and not just have to memorize it. Right. Otherwise you just feel like you're just spinning wheels in mud, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that I teach biology, a... microbiology, anatomy, nutrition, kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, does Highland do biochem? 
No. Oh, thank God. That's the class that... <laughs> they have organic chem. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was, I, I loved, um, in college, I loved bio. I took a nat and phys one and two, took microbiology. Microbiology was tough, yeah. but I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, right. Biochem was the one that just made me want to quit college and never, ever look at it again. I never took biochem, but I did take organic chemistry. And the lab was fine, but the lecture was just oh, was completely lost. Yeah. Time, so. Well, it ends up kind of that, like, left brain, right brain thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, and as sad as it is, I could do great in biology and... I struggled really, really hard with even just Chem 101. Mm -hmm. Just the raw numbers of this proton yeah. goes to this, and I was just, oh boy, that just felt like it broke my brain every single time I tried to study it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The um, Are you originally from Freeport? I'm from Peoria. Peoria, so, okay. Yeah, so I grew up and went to Richwoods High School, mm -hmm. um, and then like I said, Illinois for undergrad and grad school, and then I met my husband, who's from Freeport at Illinois. Oh, okay. So that's the connection. So here you are. Here I am. Yep. <laughs> he was taking care of his dad. Um, when we got married, his dad had Alzheimer's and he wanted him to be able to stay home. Mm. And so he was kind of taking care of him was sort of his full-time job. And so luckily, like I said, I got the job at Freeport Junior High and we packed up and moved yeah. from Charleston. and Back here in Freeport. That's it, yeah. Highland's a good school though. Yeah, There's a lot is. of good people out there. I it haven't. Uh, I was a student there a long, long time ago, longer than I care to admit on the air. Um, but yeah, it's a really good school. I think, um, especially out here, you know, there's not really, you know, there's not a lot of good places to go. You know, well, there's nowhere to go. You know, between you know from right. Rockford all the way to you know I think out in East Dubuque, and there's Kish to the south of us. But you know, I always kind of felt like. Um, because of geographically where they're located, if Highland wanted to, they could just mail it in and be like, sure, you know, but they don't. They really put a lot of work yeah, and a lot my of effort daughters, into it. I have twin daughters that go there now, and then my oldest daughter, she's now at Illinois State, but she went there mm -hmm. too. And I just feel like she, you know, she, they're just in their second year, but she especially really took advantage of being in the honors program. And, you know, she had great things to say about taking calculus with Steve Mahina. And, you know, <laughs> just she, you know, she said, oh, I really learned a lot. I mean, it's just, mm. yeah, so. What's she going into? Uh, speech pathology. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that in terms of, like, uh, education or helping people with disabilities or? It can be. Yeah. yeah. So it's it can be, you know, you're a speech pathologist in a school, so you're helping kids with kind of their basic, you know, when they have speech problems, but also uh, if a student's autistic or has other mm. um you know, developmental problems and things like that, or you can work in a hospital with babies and swallowing and, you know, just all oh, kinds of okay. stuff, adults, and just, there's a lot of different Pretty areas. broad then. Yeah. Wow. They're in, definitely in high demand. Mm -hmm. so and your twins? Good field to go to. They're not quite sure what they want to do yet. Yeah. So. Well, there, you said they're in their first year? They're in their, they'll be in their second Second. Right well, that's kind of the beginning of college is, yeah. right? Sort of figuring that out. Yep. How many people went into college with one major came out oh, with a different I one? Yeah. I know. And I feel like, yeah, when I went to college, you could afford to do that. But now, mm -hmm. it's kind of high stakes. Yeah, it, it gets pretty brutal. I was sort of, I was in the same way with you. When I was originally in college, I was a history major. Okay. Um, and I was at NIU. And eventually, you just kind of get to the point where it's like, well, history, it's pretty much either work at a museum or teach. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. And as much as my family's full of teachers, I was just kind of like, <laughs> oh... I don't think that's for me. And I definitely don't want to work a museum, yeah. you know, especially since you don't, you know, you don't graduate and get a job at like the Smithsonian and right. start right away. Like yeah. you're usually stuck in a storeroom somewhere, you know, forever. Yeah. And neither one of those sounded like they were for me. Um, so I did, yeah, figure some of that out. Um, so how long have you been in Highland now? Uh, this will be at least my 12th year. 12th I year. Think. So wow. I completed 12, I'm not sure. So. Wow. 
okay. Yeah, so like I said, right place, right time. I mean, I do love it. It's just, it's, I want to, I don't want to say it's easy. That doesn't sound right. But as far as compared to being a five-day-a-week, like, high school teacher in the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's a little more, I get to go back to my office sometimes without, you know, tons of students that I'm right. responsible for in five minutes yeah. and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's just a little more laid back and you can really teach rather than have to worry too much about managing a classroom. Right, for sure. Well, and the, just like you said, the schedule, you yeah. know, that was one of the things I liked the most, probably the same way with you being in college is you can say, okay, I'm going to set all my classes up on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or right. Tuesday, Thursday. And so that way, you know, you're not, yeah. you know, Monday through Friday, you're there from eight until three thirty, And right. And I like the variety where it changes. It's not the same thing every semester or year. And are yeah. you guys, um, you're back to in person. We're kind of back to in person. I'm going to have all my classes in person. I kind of had as much as I could the last year. Um, I did some zoom lectures and then but i had labs and mm -hmm. so i would have students come in for labs basically yeah um but we had to split it normally i'd have a lab of 24 we can only have 12 in there and okay. still can only do that so i have to split the class and they still uh have to do some things outside of class yeah lucky for them because some labs are three hours long so <laughs> a little long but well some classes are definitely easier than others Sure. to do virtually yes you know my son had the hardest time in high school you know like last year he had um he had an art class and you know it's nobody's fault it's just the circumstance but how do you how do you learn art via zoom how do you learn right. art do filling out worksheets and you know it's just and i i recognize fully the teacher's trying yeah trying his hardest really right and my son's trying the hardest but you definitely don't get that full immersive experience that yeah, you would normally exactly. get from it right. you know and especially a class like that where you have labs involved i mean right. God, there were times when I was in college, I kind of wished labs would have been, you know, right. <laughs> can I just check in virtually and see how the, uh -huh. the bacteria is growing? Because, yes. you know. Um, yeah. So when you originally contacted me last, whenever it was, I guess it was over a year ago now, mm -hmm. um, I was actually, I took some grad classes through the University of Illinois just to kind of, you know, beef my studies up. And the class I was in was actually called Emerging Infectious Disease. Oh, and we hadn't heard about COVID yet. The class yeah. went, not really, it went from January to March. So as we were hearing more about it, we weren't oh. supposed to be studying it. We were studying all kinds of other diseases. And then this was just yeah, kind of crazy. So I actually tweeted, I said, you know, somebody said, uh, there was a tweet out there that said, you know, what did you do to cause the pandemic? And I was like, well, I took a disease, I took a class called Emerging Infectious <laughs> Disease. And then right. my, Professor, re you know, she tweeted back like, "Well, I taught the class, and so mm -hmm. it's really her fault." Yes, yes. Well, that was kind of bizarre. I had noticed that, um, for example, people like Anthony Fauci and some of these other infectious disease doctors, who some have written books, some have been saying for years mm -hmm. that we were due for a pandemic. Like the the conditions were just ripe in the world that we were due. Well, when you have more people, mm -hmm. when you have animals and things like that that can spread these diseases with less places to go and closer to people mm -hmm. you know it's just natural i mean viruses just they're gonna hop you know they didn't used to really hop species as much and i mean swine flu was kind of one of the first that we really kind of heard about and learned about how you know viruses change and mutate but it just those conditions are mm -hmm. So, so I feel like when things first started and not everybody was on the same page about just staying home. Right. If we could have all 
you know, mm -hmm. stayed home for, but we didn't know that. Right. Of course, you're not going to tell everybody and everybody's not going to get on board mm -hmm. with that. So. Well, and it would just, it seemed bizarre that I, and I've seen this a couple of times on social media where somebody will go back and bring up something that Fauci said before the pandemic and be like, see, like almost like it was a conspiracy. Like they were calling this, that this was going to happen. Like, no, they were scientists. They were trying to warn people right. that, listen, this is a possibility. And then when it did happen, that doesn't mean there's a nefarious intent. You know, there's still that. Right. And that's what I try. I try not to post a lot of things, politically speaking, or whatnot. But there have been a few times where I'm just like, I've got to intervene. You know, yeah. I'm no expert by any means. But, you know, you need to actually look at the science and not the science that Joe Schmo says it's science. Yeah. Which is really frustrating because I've, I've been looking at some, you know, different things on Facebook and I mean, there's some pages where all the people who are commenting are just all agreeing with each other. Yeah. And they're, you know, instead of usually you get, you know, somebody really going at somebody and no. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that are following these certain pages because it's, it says what they want to hear. Right. So. People like that though. People like the echo chamber. Yeah. You know, they like to exist in a world where people are telling them what they want to hear rather than, right. you know, and that's, 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 first of all, it's unfortunate that science is politicized. I mean, at the end of the day, it should be like, you know, I don't, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said there wasn't a controversy when, you know, Einstein E equals MC squared. Right. Like that's just science, you know? So the, the fit, simple fact that, um, yeah, uh, infectious disease, a virus spreads when people are clustered together is not, I mean, that that's not graduate level school. Right. And know? the more times it replicates, the more just by chance, it's going to mutate. Mm -hmm. And then the more chances that those mutations get into another host, you know, just... Right. Oh. But, you know, we don't want to be inconvenienced. And um, I think, you know, it was interesting that there was... Is, I sort of define it as like care fatigue. You know what I mean? Because you had some people even right off the bat were serious about it. And then everybody had their certain degree of breaking. Right. You know, some people within two weeks were like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Some people yeah. it took six months. Right. Other people were like, listen, it's been a year. I'm going to be done. Right. You know, I'm just going to live my life and, you know, which is unfortunate. I understand there has to be, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you'd say middle ground there, but there mm -hmm. definitely has to be. A... Well, and it depends on your experiences. My brother-in-law is a pulmonologist and he works in the medical intensive care unit. Mm. And so he was working with COVID patients and, mm -hmm. you know, he would come home from work and he would enter through the basement and then he would strip down and go get in the shower and, you know, just, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, and he would I think when Ebola came, they had drills mm -hmm. on how, if it came to their hospital, how to address the situation and, you know, looking at the PPE and how, what's wrong with this. And, you yeah. know, like they put it all on and be like, oh, there's a, there's a crack here. You know, this is not sealed. Oh, wow. So it's just, you spend a lot. I mean, science, there are people out there who are studying these things and tracking these things. When I took that class, I can't remember what it was called, but we had to sign up for this email um, database and we would get... 20 emails a day about, oh, there was an outbreak break of monkeypox in blah, 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 and just all these crazy diseases, but also some very, you know, salmonella. And so people are keeping track of these things and not just when it's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Epidemiologists are following and studying and looking at data. And so that's got to be kind of a grim thing yeah. to go into when you're like i have these 15 things that i'm tracking if anything blows up it means millions dead right you know gosh well and i did i had to do a project for this class and i chose to do measles and so each you know person had to do a different disease and <coughs> so i did a presentation on that and 
just even that, I don't remember very many statistics, but this one I do. So with herd immunity for measles, if 95% of the population is vaccinated, then usually the levels remain pretty low. Okay, it's not like nobody gets the measles. When that number goes to 90%, there's an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of outbreaks in England in 2012. And the reason why is because of the Andrew Wakefield study. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the autism one. Yep. Yeah. Which finally got retracted, mm -hmm. but not before. That was a lot, a long time. Did a ton of damage. Later. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and it feels like to anybody who might be even in the slightest conspiracy minded, those things can just spread like wildfire through communities. Right. You know, and obviously not just in America. Like I said, they had an outbreak in England. But th this anti-vax thing has been around for a while. Right. And yeah. I was actually looking at something like smallpox. Mm -hmm. You know, smallpox is pretty much, it's gone. It's been eradicated. You know, it's, there's, it's stored. There's storage in Russia and the United States in case there's a bioterrorist activity. And that's it. And why? Well, because the vaccines worked. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know sometimes there's too many vaccines for, you know, do you really have to have it for this and that? Not necessarily, but something like that. I mean, smallpox was a pretty deadly disease. Oh, for sure. But I saw there were anti-vaccination campaigns like back in 1890. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference <laughs> is in 1890, they can't get very far very fast, right? Mm -hmm. Things take a lot longer, but so just kind of interesting. So there's always been that public, you know, kind of weariness against right you know which i mean it's good to have scrutiny mm -hmm. right oh for sure if you didn't and just you know believed everything everybody said but mm -hmm. yeah well and it's sort of a that's semi the achilles heel i think of americans sometimes because we love to be like rebellious and sort of free-spirited mm -hmm. and i mean our sort of whole country was founded on the ideal of not being told what to do right. well what happens when you're told what to do right and it you know, you're at that crux where it's like it's the, for the good of society if you do it, but I don't want to be told what to do. So right. therefore, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And it's, you know, and then uh, I, I, I don't want to rag on it. But then there are times where it's like, you'll, and you've seen it, you'll be reading stuff on Facebook and the mental backflips people will do to try and justify certain things. And you're mm -hmm. just like, oh, my Lord. Yeah. Like your poor third grade science teacher is just slapping <laughs> her forehead right now. Like we covered this, you know. Well, there was also just a, it was a research letter in JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association. I might have that wrong. Um, and that's a pretty revered publication. And it was just a research letter, but basically it said that there was a study done that measured the carbon dioxide levels um, with in kids with masks on. Mm. Well, my brother-in-law, who's the pulmonologist, was like, Right away, he's like, this is a terrible study. They, that's not how you measure CO2. He measures CO2 all the time, like through a nasal cannula, like in the lungs, you know, not right outside of your face. Mm -hmm. Just all, I, mean, I, I don't understand most of it. Yeah. But basically, but the damage was done. People had this out there, and, mm -hmm. and it was about, you know, a week or 10 days later, it has now been retracted. And things don't get retracted very easily. Yeah. But that has been retracted. And a lot of times it's like the first impression thing. Yeah. Somebody reads the headline and that's forever stuck in their brain. Right. You know, so. and then trying to overcome that is yes. is impossible. And I always thought it was, you know, for a long time I worked in the medical field. Um, and I'd have to work with isolation patients where you're putting on the full bunny suit mm -hmm. and the mask and double masks and the N95. And wow. to hear people say that they were wearing a mask in the gas station, they're not going to wear it because they can't breathe. I'm like, have you ever been in a patient's room for an hour and a half doing right. a procedure wearing one yeah. of those? You can breathe. It just takes a little bit of getting used to it. Right. Your oxygen level's fine. You're not right. going to pass and out. Yeah, and I did love teaching in a mask. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got used to it. And it's 
better than maybe you know watching behind my computer screen the whole time. Right. Well, well, and I say that if you're um, if wearing a mask is going to make you pass out, you need to go see a doctor because something else is going on. Right. <laughs> you know, that's right. just if that little bit is gonna is gonna trip the trigger. Wow, that's um, that's kind of apropos though. Uh, infectious disease class right on right on the heels of yeah and the professor basically was kind of like well we're not going to talk much about this because we just don't really know much Mm -hmm. and so we did kind of focus on you know what was supposed to be the regular curriculum but we did kind of watch that johns hopkins had the tracker the covid tracker okay and to watch that kind of blow up is just crazy but you can actually look at that for several um, diseases. I think there's something, there's another thing, it's called next strain or something. And I looked at it for like the measles and you can kind of go back in time and you can see where these diseases blow up and it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. So, wow. That's there's a, a lot of really cool information that most of it's gone from my brain. But. Right. <laughs> well, I felt like um, when COVID first started, everybody's ex- exponential chart for time spent looking at an exponential chart yes. went through the roof. Sure. You know, <laughs> right. I think everybody was wanting to get on there every day and see what cases yeah. were like. And yeah, it was it was it was it was a bizarre thing to happen. And uh, you know, you were living in Freeport, and the first like. Um, I would say month or so were really interesting because it was dead mm-hmm. out there. I mean, yeah. like nobody was moving. Right. You know, I was considered the job I had. I was considered, um, what you call it, essential, essential personnel. So I had to yeah. go to work, and I'd be coming home from work at nine o'clock at night, and it was it was a ghost town. Like yeah. you'd think it was three right. a.m. on a Sunday. You know, it was really mm-hmm. bizarre. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun at first. Just you know, my kids were all home, and we were playing games. And yeah, making TikTok videos, and, you know, with my daughters, and doing puzzles and all that. But I think I had, I think Highland, we had spring break, and then we shut down for an extra week mm-hmm. to kind of figure out what everybody was doing. So I had a good length of time where I really didn't have much work. I well, there was definitely work I needed to do. But yeah. It wasn't real pressing. So. Well, it was difficult because we had decided at the time that it was a good time to finally fence in our backyard. Oh, and all of wow. a sudden, getting hold of lumber was right. impossible because yeah. Menards was always out because everybody and their brother was doing yep. home improvement projects and yard projects. And, you know, because uh, especially people who <clears throat> weren't having a, any dent made to their income and were getting right. the, the stimulus on top right. of it were yeah. like, well, we can't go on vacation. We might as well spend that couple thousand dollars on doing something. and. That's a, uh, wow. Um, so outside of teaching, what else do you do? What kind of hobbies do you have? <laughs> if Juliet were here, I know what she would answer. Oh. <laughs> it is actually true. But oh. um, I like to run. Mm-hmm. So I think when we were talking, I said something like, I'm a morning person, blah, blah, blah. And then you said, yeah, me too. How about two o'clock? So I think you just automatically read that as, I'm not a morning person. Oh, oh, did I read that wrong? Oh, okay. (laughs) I didn't make a correction because it was fine. But anyway, no, I usually get up about 4.30. Oh, geez. No, no. I go running with a group. We all meet and run around town. Even then, when COVID first started, we were kind of, should we be running next to each other? We kind of spaced out more than we usually do. But Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is my only activity and I really need this. Right. And you couldn't go inside either. So it's like, it was either... Run outside alone or you know, right. kind of run with the group. But again, we are a little more spread out. Some of us more than others. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I like to run. I've always run. I'm getting you know older and slower. So, you know, as far as being competitive, I'm very competitive, but I can't really be anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get rid of some of that. And 
And I think a lot of the reason I run so early is so that I can justify taking a nap if I have a chance. Oh. So I like naps. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might get in the car early in the morning, go for a ride, and tell my wife I was running so I can take a nap. Yeah, there you that go. That sounds amazing. Yep, wow. So, yeah, just that and, you know, having four kids is a lot. I have three girls and then a son who's in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> that doesn't leave a lot of time for hobbies. That's kind of like... Right. Yeah, I can't say I really like to read. I don't usually tend to get very far with that. Um, we have a new puppy, so... Oh, yes, you were talking yeah, about that. It's a COVID puppy, and I don't think we looked at the cage to see that it said, you know, large puppy. I think we just kind of thought, oh, this must this be a medium puppy. And <laughs> she's on her way to 100 pounds, and she hasn't... There's a tracker, you know, and she hasn't quite... I'm waiting for her to slow down and to get away from that prediction, but she hasn't so far. What so. kind of dog? Oh, boy, we don't know. Um, she looks kind of like a German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And then maybe, I mean, people always say Pitt and German Shepherd. Maybe, I don't know, kind of a boxer type. I don't know. She's tan and got little white tips and, you know, but she's got the big ears. Yeah. Up. And she's sweet. She's just a lot. Mm -hmm. she's, she's big. And we were taking her out and puppy training her when it was negative 15 outside. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh. So. It's gotten easier now because she can go longer and she likes her kennel and all that stuff. But well, it's rough when they're big and they're still got puppy in them because they still want to play and right. be rambunctious. And before you know it, furniture is getting knocked over. And... Yeah, or she's pulling me down the stairs right. when I take her out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, with our two pit bulls. That was the best thing we did was fence in the backyard. It's just open right. them back, you know, just open the back door and they can run because. I was doing that for a while with the the leashes, you know, and right. we had those, you know, those like I don't know what you call them, but like the zip line leashes. Yeah. Take them both out at once, and it'd be dark, and it's and you just kind of brace yourself, like here we go. That happened to me um, last winter, before we built the fence. Um, yeah, I let the dogs out, and I wasn't aware of the fact, but there was a deer in our backyard, oh, wow. and that both the dogs saw it before I did and bolted. And you have that minute of that, I shouldn't say that minute, but that half a second of decision. Like, do I just let go of the leashes or right. potentially die? I don't yes. know. Yep. I don't know which. I hear you. Wow. Yeah. So other than that, I don't know. Just, you know, I'm, it's good. My daughter's home for the summer and mm -hmm. oldest and hanging out with her. And That's good. Things like that. You don't realize how much you miss them until they're gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she's gone this weekend, and then she said, well, I might come home. I don't know if I'm going to come Sunday or Monday. I said, ah, uh, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see. So there was um, some kind of issue that I was unclear about in terms of red-winged blackbirds, and what's... Yeah, Juliet said that I don't like the red-winged blackbirds. Mm -hmm. I've never been attacked by one. I know my Viking friends don't like them because they will attack their helmets. Oh, okay. So, I don't mind them. I, oh. guess. I have a lot of friends who don't like them, but I don't want to say I ever don't like a bird, <laughs> okay. especially Juliet around. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I actually kind of like them because it's, I can identify some species, mm -hmm. but obviously not as many as Juliet or anywhere close, or right. even my husband. For that matter, and so that one's like, okay, I know what that is. But it makes you feel, mail. yeah, it makes you feel smart when you see a bird and <laughs> yeah, you can be right. like, that's a, yep. that's a red-winged blackbird. Yeah. Yeah. But then you guys were talking. Actually, I was listening. You know, and I, I wanted to chime in, like, well, you know, like, wait, you can't, you're just listening to this. Um, but when you were talking about the wild turkeys, mm -hmm. so my parents live in Peoria. My dad died about a year and a half ago, um, and they live in kind of woodsy area. You know, they had a feeder in the winter and all that, and there was a flock of turkeys, mm. and or whatever they're called, and there was the big couple big toms, and my dad just loved 
looking at those turkeys and taking videos of them. And they had a basement that had kind of an opening to a patio with a sliding glass door. And there would be times those turkeys would come up to that basement door and my dad said, they're looking for me. Yeah. Like they're just wondering what I'm doing in there. And so he had a lot of fun with that. So. They're, uh, they're a unique bird. Yeah. You know, it sounds weird that they're, and I know Juliet's going to roll her eyes when she hears it, but they're <laughs> not really birds, but they're birds. Right. Like, you know, they're not like a, anything like a sparrow or a falcon or an eagle. They're just kind of these fat, plump little things that yeah. trundle along and only fly if they absolutely have to. They're kind of like me. Like, I'm only... You know, I'm only going to run if I absolutely have to. Yeah. It's a safety issue. Well, and I posted a video a few years ago. There was a big tom in my parents' backyard, and he, you know, his feathers were all fluffed out, and and then all of a sudden, you know, the ladies are like, they're trying to get to the feeder because you know my mom would just put out some corn or something, <laughs> and they're trying to get there, but he's in their way, you know, and he's mm-hmm. looking at them like, hey, and they just ran right by him and I said yep I said I pick food every time yep you know? mm-hmm. so especially this guy out here strutting you know like come on dude <laughs> right you know exactly so that was pretty funny <clears throat> that's what I'm that pretty sure I'm pretty sure I said this in the podcast with Juliet but that was one of the things that always cracked me up in the animal kingdom like whenever you were talking about a big tom or even like a big buck when it comes to deer or even the peacock where it's like no different than like going to a nightclub and it's like right. the guy in the Ed Hardy shirt and the cologne and learning all the dance move and he tans yes. all the time and goes to the gym purely for that right. moment of yeah. being in the club and you okay man <laughs> yeah, yeah I love to show my like my biology students videos of, you know big dances and things like that and then all the rejection that usually happens yeah so. this one's called the Charleston yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah they are um and it's amazing were there a lot of those in Peoria when you were growing up? I don't really remember seeing them that regularly. It mm-hmm. seems like, you know, this group would kind of, sometimes then they'd disappear for a while. So I don't know where they would go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just think it, they kind of find a spot and then yeah. hang out. Because that was one of the, the like, really big um, conservation success stories in America. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, America, I feel like, has a lot to learn from other countries. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to conservation, I got to admit, America does, I think we could be better. There are definitely areas I think we could be better. But when mm-hmm. it comes to wildlife and habitat, you know, um, yeah, yeah, turkeys, I felt like, were virtually non-existent. And I want to say in the, something like in the mid-70s, there was like, I think there was like 1.7 million turkeys oh, wow. in the United States. And now there's over 7 million. Oh, my gosh. So, and that's because they would do a lot of, they would put some in area, let them get so big. Sure. Capture about 20 or 30, go to a completely other state, release them in the wild. And they were doing this over the course of decades. And now mm-hmm. it's just, it amazes me how freely there are times like, hey, you know, it always cracks me. You'll be driving over by Kiwanis Drive. Right. You know, in the fall, and it'll be a whole big flock of them just crossing the street like yeah. they belong here. Yeah. And it's just, that's to me, that's just really, really awesome to see. Yeah. It could also be, you know, when I lived there when I was in high school, I probably was less interested. Interested. Yeah. You know, my dad was probably <laughs> yelling, come see the turkeys. And I was like, ah, talk to my girlfriend. I can't, you know, the phone's attached to the wall, so I can't be going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's always bizarre how kids, and I don't know if you've noticed this with your children, um, but how different children have different interests in different things. Like a turkey being in the backyard, my daughter would flip out over. My two sons yeah. could care less. Okay. They'd just be like, you went, you got me up for this. And my daughter yeah. would be like losing her mind and trying to TikTok it or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, um, so here, here's something I always like to ask people. And this is, this is kind of like a twofold question. The first one is best place that you'd ever visited that you would love to go to again. Um, 
I would have to say, well, I would say two. So there's Hawaii, mm -hmm. which you know, we went to Hawaii. We were lucky enough to go on our honeymoon, but we weren't didn't have very much you know money to mm -hmm. actually spend when we were there. So I'd like to go back there. We're talking about it. It's about to hit 25 years next year, so you know it's about the time to go back. Um, but I did I studied in Scotland when I was a oh, junior. Oh, really? In college, so oh. and again. It was great. I got to go. You know, it was an exchange program, so it wasn't didn't really cost that much. But I didn't have a lot of extra money to mm -hmm. actually do a whole lot. Yeah. And so, you know, we went places. I mean, I traveled. Well, I traveled with a couple of roommates on spring break. You know, we did kind of the France, uh, Spain, Italy, Greece, but it was on a budget, mm -hmm. a very strict budget, and it was a pretty quick trip. So yeah. I didn't want to go alone. And so I went with, you know, a couple of roommates. And so our, what we wanted to do was kind of different. Plus, you're trying to do too many things in one time period. And so, so it was really fun, but it was kind of a whirlwind. So I'd like to kind of, I'd like to actually go back and be that same age and have more money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a good group of friends. I mean, we're still friends. You know, I had some international friends and we still talk. We actually just kind of started talking again um, just about our experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this guy, Benoit from France and, he had this little car, his little Bessie, and so we went a few places with him. And you know, so these roads in Scotland are pretty narrow, and so mm -hmm. sometimes it was a little, but so that was really fun. But yeah, just to be able to go back and actually, and I'll look up where I would want to go. You know, you didn't have your phones and things to be able to, oh, you know, what's here and what's there. Yeah. And so you just kind of went, uh huh, based on what somebody said. But yeah, you couldn't do a lot. I mean, you could with different books, of course, and things, but just wasn't as accessible. So, mm -hmm. so I'd like to kind of go back there and yeah, kind of check that. Well, out. especially Europe. As Americans, I we sometimes we fail to understand that geographically how small it is. Yes, you know, like it's for us from you know, and I was. It's always interesting. I have a friend from Switzerland who comes to America every once in a while. Her biggest complaint about America is how long it takes to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to go from like the two major cities in the United States, from like New York to Los Angeles, that's. I mean, if you're driving, it's a week. If you're flying, it's a better part of a day. Right. Whereas, you know, and you know, in in Europe, you can go from Paris to Berlin in an afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, you just zip right across. And yeah, well, that was one of the questions they asked me during my interview. And I didn't really have a good reason that I wanted to go. Which mm -hmm. my parents were kind of like, "Why do you want to go?" And they were very nervous about it. And I, I again, I knew I wanted to. I just didn't have a very <laughs> a reason that I could <laughs> vocalize very easily. But one of the questions was, you know, how big how big is England? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know it was about the same size as Illinois. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's weird. And they it ran is. half the world at one point in time. Yeah, you know, right. It's like so I, I kind of felt that was one of those where oh, I feel kind of stupid. But where did you go to in Italy? Oh boy. Um, again, places very quickly. I know we went to. We saw the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We went to Florence. Florence was really mm. cool. Venice. Mm. But, you know, it's just kind of like one day to, you know, we went here one day, stayed overnight, went. So, yeah, I saw some, some major areas. Yeah. But again, you know, just kind of walking around and mm -hmm. not real disposable. Right. Yeah. And where were you at in Hawaii? Oh, uh, Maui. Maui. Okay. Yeah. There is the, um, there's the island of Lanai there. Yes. And I've been trying for years to angle this, but it's insanely expensive. There is a species of deer there oh. called the Axis deer, which is not native. Okay. They were brought oh, wow. from, I want to say, Mongolia, somewhere okay. in the 1870s, and have just spread like, they're all on this one island. 
Supposedly, it's the best tasting wild game meat in the world. Okay. And this is a species of deer that evolved to evade jaguars and tigers oh, wow. and panthers, so they're extremely fast. Um, there are so many on this island, I want to say the Hawaiian Department of Natural Resources has to send sharpshooters out to kill about 3,000 a month oh just gosh. to keep them from overrunning the island. Wow. That's what happens when you bring in invasive Yeah, and they and no predators. You know, <laughs> right. there's nothing yep. on this island to stop them other than human beings. Um, but it's insanely expensive, A, to just get to Hawaii, sure. B, to get to that island, and, and technically a lot of it's public land. And, okay. um, of course, Hawaii is like, please come take these things, you know, right. by all means. But if you don't know the area, you don't know the lay of the land, you kind of got to go through an outfitter, and those outfitters want two to three grand right. for half a day to begin Yikes. with. So you're like, so anyway, that was my Hawaii bit. Um, yeah, well, actually, when we went to Hawaii, I, you know, my goal was to go to the beach, yeah. have some margaritas, you know, relax by the pool, all that kind of stuff. And uh, my husband got the idea, you know, people would rent the bikes and they would drive you up to the top of Haleakala, the volcano, mm -hmm. and people would ride down. Well, he wanted to bike up. Oh. And so he spent a couple of good days like talking about that and planning that. <laughs> and I remember getting up at four in the morning in order to drive him a little bit closer to the base of it so that he could bike up. And I kind of, I think maybe I had a cell phone then, barely. And I just kind of sat by the pool like, mm, wait for a call. <laughs> hope or he's hope okay. He's going to, you know, make it all the way home then. Mm -hmm. And so he eventually did. Oh, he did. <laughs> How far is that? I, I don't know. Oh, man. Very steep, though. Yeah, no, thank you. No, my hat's off to him, though. He's got more motivation than I do. Yeah, um, so he's a little more, you know, he wants to get out. I like to run, but again, then I like to rest. Right. So. Yes. <laughs> Spend all my energy in one, you know, short amount of time, and and then get the nap, and then be done for yeah. sure. The other part of the question, then, place you've always wanted to go but haven't yet. Bucket list, I guess. Hmm. I don't know if I've spent a lot of time thinking about that, really. Oh, you should. I know. It's just, it just hasn't been as attainable with four kids. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not sure. I definitely want to, I would love to go to Sonoma, you know, mm. wine country. Mm -hmm. That's probably been one of the, I do like wine. So yeah. That's uh -huh. one of my, my other <laughs> hobbies. Um, so, yeah, that's just one that kind of pops up. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy any of the wine from the area here? I, not so much. Really? I hate to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There are some that I like, but I just, I, sometimes they're a little too sweet mm -hmm. for me. I think. Yeah. My husband actually <laughs> made his own wine a few years ago, speaking of very local, and he was just kind of disappointed with me, but I just didn't care for it, mm -hmm. you know, and it was great that he was actually able to make wine and you know, I had these bats in my foyer, or, you know. and so, but I just, oh, well, like, if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm gonna have a glass of wine, I'd kind of rather have this one than that one, and so. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true, you know, and I think a lot of that's personal taste. Like, personally, yeah. I love the sweet wines, mm -hmm. so a lot of the stuff from, like, Galena Cellars or even Mossback Winery out yeah. by Stockton, some of that, you know, and out of the, um, oh, Fossil right up here in Cedarville. Right. Has a lot of that really good stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, and I usually I'll find ones that I like, mm -hmm. but I have to kind of taste a lot to to find which yeah one, which one's the best. My wife, we made the mistake of doing that years ago, a couple of years ago. We were in Galena and we did one of their wine tasting things oh, where sure. you get to try like a little sip of like a bunch of different wines, mm -hmm. and then we ended up coming home with way too many bottles, right? Because we'd be like, oh, I like these two. Well, I like these two. Well, well, you know, <laughs> we don't get to Galena very often. Get two bottles of that, yeah. you know, it'll last us a while. And, 
you know, and then they're ding, 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 okay, and that'll be, and you're like, right. for wine? Yep. Oh my gosh, we're alcoholics, or we're starting an Italian <laughs> restaurant, I don't know which. Right. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's cool. Have you been out to Galena a lot? Yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's become me and my wife's like getaway. Like okay. any, any time we can get a free weekend, we shoot over there yeah, as quick nice. as we can. And... We've rented a couple houses from time to time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with my family or a group of friends a few years ago we did and that was nice. And so, yeah. Gosh, I always thought, I remember as a kid, um, on the rare occasion we'd go to Galena and you know, you're driving through the big floodgates there on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking my mom and dad, like, why do, they, why do they have walls? Like, is this the Middle Ages? Are they worried right. about, you know? The Mongolians attacking, like, what's the point of this? You know, like, oh, well, it's because of the river. And you thought, I remember for the longest time thinking to myself, well, that's, they, they must keep those up for antique reasons. Well, it's just a couple of years ago, they actually had to close them. Oh. You know, the, the r- river actually jumped its banks, and they oh, had wow. uh, they had all of Main Street down there closed for about yeah, a week. Yeah, I do remember that. They had those gates closed. And, I, of course, then you get interested. You ever do this where you go down, like, the Google rabbit hole about something where you look something up and was, mm-hmm. doing, was doing a bunch of research? And because you've been to Galena, so you can, like, picture this in your mind. Sure. I want to say it was in, like, 1890 they had a flood so bad that they literally had steamboats going down Main Street picking people up off rooftops. Oh my gosh. Like can you even imagine? Wow. Like all of that being underwater. Yeah. Like that's 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 frightening. Yeah. Scary stuff. I do remember being at Illinois <coughs> when there would be flooding on Green Street. Mm. That was pretty common. Mm. And I remember seeing somebody jet skiing down yeah. Green Street. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't last for probably as long as somewhere else. But. Yeah, well it was I wanna say it was eighty nine or ninety. Here in Freeport, we got it so bad that down there currently where Taco Bell and all that is was underwater. Yeah. That whole wow. that whole meadow shy was completely. Mm-hmm. Kmart used to be, I think, there where like um, the China Buffet is. Okay. And you could just see the sea of water and all these clothes on hangers just like oh floating on the tide going by. It was, I remember being like nine or ten and being like, oh my gosh. You know, of course, back then past McDonald's, there was hardly anything. It right. Was, you know, it was mostly cornfield. But well, my wow. sister had a car when we, she was a senior at Illinois and I was a sophomore. And she had a car, you could park in Champaign, in Urbana, you couldn't park and for free or whatever. And so I borrowed it one time. It was finals week and I wanted to go somewhere. And so, you know, I hiked over and I got it, I borrowed it and I parked it by the creek that always floods. Mm-hmm. Well, then nobody used the car for another week <laughs> and it had flooded on Green Street oh. and we didn't really think about it at the time. And mm-hmm. when I went to get the car the next time, it was all just smelly and basically water had risen to the top and then just slowly drained back out so yeah that was a fun phone call (laughs) (laughs) one of those ones you'd love to be a fly on the the wall for them yeah Yeah, for sure the um gosh i keep meaning to ask my brother-in-law went to illinois Mm. he got his he got his bachelor's degree there and i remember one time Oh, six, seven years ago, we were in Champaign for the state basketball tournament. Okay. And I don't remember what it was. My sisters were going to go do shopping or something. My brother-in-law said, oh, let me take you out to lunch. I went to college here in town. And I, I keep meaning to ask him to find the name of the place because he took me to this barbecue place. Oh. I don't know if this rings any bells at all for you. It was not on the best side of town, but not on the worst side of town. Okay. The restaurant was pretty scuzzy. The food was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those magic hole in the walls that right. only locals know about. Yeah. But I'm assuming that's not ringing any bells for you. No. No. I mentioned I'm a vegetarian. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> well, oh. pescatarian. So. What's the difference? 
I eat fish. Oh, I okay. I eat dairy also, so oh, I'm not okay. really, when I say vegetarian, it's like, I'm certainly not vegan or anything like that. Well, do you, do you know Julie? Yes. Yes. Well, gosh, and her and I, we go back 20 plus years. And okay. We're always, you know, giving each other crap. that there's, sure. there's no way we should be friends because she's a vegan right. and I'm a hunter. And right. Well, she's you and a, Juliet talked about a lot of meat, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a fan. <laughs> what can I say? Um, I don't hold it against you. But... Here's here's the interesting thing though. I'm assuming that um, does your objection to it have to be nutritionally or institutionally? I think when I studied in Scotland, there were a lot of people who were vegetarian. Mm. But in Scotland, if you're a vegetarian, you eat a lot of bread and cheese, and oh, okay. you don't really gain many. I didn't see many vegetables, you know, mm-hmm. being served at least in the dorm that I was <laughs> staying at. I eventually moved into an apartment because you could get like a meal. Mm-hmm. You could get your money for your meals and you could, you know, spend it on your own food. So that's kind of why I switched doing that. Um, but I think I just kind of looked into it. I actually read um, a book called Diet for a New America, I okay. think. My dad, my aunt kind of suggested, my dad always blamed my aunt for turning me vegetarian. Oh, turning <laughs> But uh, it just, it talked about the chickens. The chickens kind of resonated with me. The chickens all in their coops. Oh, they're, God. You know, they're really close together and they're scratching each other's eyes out yeah. and that just really kind of made me eh. I just I just kind of thought you know I'm just gonna try this yeah so it wasn't any real strong mm-hmm. moral thing and I understood that completely I've always and this is a discussion Julie and I have had over and over again over the years mm-hmm. I mean the practice of like factory farming is like if you ever see any of those videos from like inside some of those slaughterhouses and it just like yeah. makes your skin crawl right. that you know the animals are and I I spent for one day, 20 years ago, I worked one day at an egg farm oh. and said never again. And yeah, it was just. Yeah, and I do eat eggs and I, yeah. I don't really, probably don't want to watch any of those. And I mean, granted, that was slightly better than the way the chickens are treated for like mm-hmm. being turned into meat because they want the chicken to continue to produce eggs. That's, right. that's kind of the cash cow. No, you know. But um, even still, it was like just crammed into these little tiny cages and they mm-hmm. just eggs and down a conveyor belt they go and i realized they're you know for a business that has to be successful you have to have some level of efficiency sure. but oh, i don't know if the word humane is the word you would use because they're not human but still some yeah some symbols and i've never ever argued i remember that was one of the i think as i recall that was one of the big turning points for julie and i never argued okay. again like i understand that completely yeah even nutritionally i understand right you know i, I was reading this thing um a couple of years ago that was basically doing their best possible surveying they could of um, ancient man prior to civilization and this belief that being hunter gatherers and it was like well it was mostly gatherers like if you were lucky you got a quarter pounder sure. meat a week right where we can get in a car and drive down to mcdonald's to get a quarter pounder every single day so mm-hmm. we're mass consuming meat it's no wonder that yeah. obesity is a problem in america um yeah, I've never, never argued against it. I've, I, I don't even get that, you know, being a hunter and being around a lot of hunters, they love to make fun of vegetarians and vegans. Sure. And it's an old Indian word for bad hunter, you know, uh, right. stuff like that. And I never understood that. Like, if it doesn't bother you, then right. you let people do what they want to do. Yeah. You I know, mean, nobody's perfect. So everybody has to, you know, mm-hmm. figure it out for themselves. And Well, and they have several of these companies now, like Beyond Meat, that are working really hard on these, like, meatless meat. And, and I've had those and yeah. I kind of like them sometimes they don't agree with me and I don't quite know why hmm. um they're pretty tasty but then I also wonder like what's really in here right. you know like it's <laughs> it's kind of I don't know it's not natural necessarily because mm-hmm. they're really having to I don't know so 
I have to I need to research that a little bit more. That was a question that was been kicked around several times that if a company could produce a T-bone steak that was completely meatless but tasted like T-bone, would you eat it? Well, yeah. Right. Why wouldn't I? I eat it for the taste, not because of yeah, some right. caveman True. belief True. that I'm devouring animal. It's just I, yeah. I, I, I love the taste of it. <laughs> so, well, you're not going to believe this. We actually like blazed right through that thing. Okay. It doesn't. It even... was kind of a show about nothing. Yeah, really. that's really what it is, you know. And that's <laughs> wasn't that... all birds or anything. No, no, no. except the, those jerk of those red winged blackbirds that <laughs> need to be eradicated from the planet, right, Juliet? <laughs> she just yelled at her phone i know it <laughs> well, okay well um i want to thank you so much for coming on yeah we finally we finally connected and right. you got this figured out and uh yeah it was a good time um anything you want to say on the way out the door it's like a deep thoughts with I jack know, handy kind I of know. thing i don't know i yeah i guess anybody else should consider doing a podcast right yeah anybody everybody does it off your bucket list if you want to and so i don't know i'll try to you know drum up some business for you well yeah that'd be great (laughs) and uh, i always tell people that um because the one of the things you run into the most is people are nervous and i always tell people you got nothing to be nervous about yeah i've said it once i've said it a million times i'm an idiot it's up to me to be nervous and not i mean you teach microbiology yeah. Like if anybody's going to be nervous, it's going to be me, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> my microbiology professor made me nervous every time I walked in the classroom just yeah. by existing. I'm so, sure. Well, my know. students are actually like, how do you know so much about this? And it's like, I had to relearn most things to be able to teach them to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you wanted to figure out how to way to study, teach it to somebody else. And then For sure. Good, then, it'll, then it'll stick in your head. I'm not, I'm not that smart. You know? <laughs> it seems like it sometimes to you guys, but. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody you are, for sure. <laughs> well, all right, folks, that uh, does it for us. Um, once again, I want to say thank you, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, everybody, that was the podcast with Carla. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had a lot of fun recording it. That's been, like, the absolute greatest thing about doing this podcast is some of the really cool people I get to meet. It's just been amazing, and I can't say enough about it. And to every single guest I've had on the podcast – Thank you so much. Um, it means the world to me. It really does. I love doing this, and I love getting to meet the people I get to meet and talking to the people I get to talk to. It's been a blast. But that is all for this time around. I'm going to get out of here. We will catch you next time. But until then, I want to say I love you all. I hope you take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>